welcome back. Episode number 97 of the Ranting Rangers podcast in partnership with Inside the Rink. I'm your host, Chica Berkowitz, and I'm alongside my co-host, Brett. And we're honored to have on former Rangers goaltender, Dan Blackburn. But first, just want to let you all know to go to InsideTheRink.com slash ESPN to subscribe to ESPN Plus to watch games and more. And yeah, let's get to it. And we're back with former Rangers goaltender, Dan Blackburn. Dan, how's it going? Great. Happy to be here with you guys. Appreciate it. So what we usually do is we start from the beginning of the player's career and then we go from there. So first question, did you have an inkling on who would be drafting you based off the prior meetings and where exactly in the draft you would be drafted? Yeah, um, usually when you go through the draft process, there's interviews with all various teams that are interested, uh, especially the higher you are rated in the draft. So I think I probably had meetings with just with every NHL team, but you can tell typically by just going down the depth chart um, who's really looking for a goalie and who's not. Um, you know, there's only one of the, there's only really one, uh, two goalie positions on the team and, you know, forwards, you can, you can slide into a lineup a lot easier versus goalies. So it really came down to either in my mind, getting drafted by Columbus or getting drafted by the Rangers. Wow. Were you, uh, were you hoping for one over the other there? Oh, New York's a lot nicer than Columbus. I know that. Yeah, for sure. I actually grew up mostly in Cincinnati. So I, I've been to quite a few Jackets games. They actually have a great fan base. So for a team that's they, been- they do. For a team that's been a perennial dog, you know, for for their basically their almost entire existence, yep. it's amazing how well their fans support them there. Yep. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Agreed. Um, carrying over from that draft question, I've always been kind of curious: what are those pre-draft meetings like? Uh, are there are like any off-the-wall questions that you remember, odd interactions. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I think a lot. Of, that was just when teams were starting to really start to use psychologists in the process. So there were a handful of teams that had their own psychologist. Um, I can't remember. I don't think the Rangers did at that time yet. Um, But there were a handful of those types of meetings. Typically, it was just more of like a meet and greet, get to know you. Um, I don't remember anything necessarily being off the wall. It's just kind of like the first introduction to, you know, NHL uh, scouting, NHL staff, um, general managers, coaches, things of that nature. Were there any any teams that you met with where you're like, man, this is not a good culture fit. I hope they don't draft me or anything like that. Nah, I mean, it's like, you know, it's, it's exchanging pleasantries mostly. Okay. Really, you know, you, it's hard to say after you meet somebody one time in a, uh, that type of setting that you don't like them or you don't, you don't like their culture. I mean, it's just, it's very vanilla. I have to imagine for them then too, that also has to be kind of not that worthwhile. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's a, it's a venue maybe to have conversations with people if there are conversations to be had about, hmm. you know, especially maybe the Europeans, are you going to come to the North America to play, um, you know, that type of thing. But for somebody, for Canadian or American, I, it's, it's really just a meet and greet. Gotcha. Could you describe your first NHL start, the emotions, stress level, the excitement, uh, I mean, obviously, you get very, very exciting, very nervous. Um, there's a lot that builds to that, obviously, up to that point. So, you know, um, when you finally realize your 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 life long dream, it's um, it's it's nerve wracking. And especially, I remember standing there for my first game, and I probably didn't get a shot for maybe the first like six or seven minutes of the game. And uh, so, it just kind of like you don't get a chance to really get the feel for the puck and kind of get that over with. So, it's just standing there, just getting. The butterflies are getting worse and worse until finally you get your first shot, and then you kind of just becomes another game after that. Wow. Um, actually, going back to the draft, when you were drafted 10th overall, uh, 
were you surprised at all when the Rangers picked you? You, you pretty much expected them at that point? Or what, what were the emotions like when that happened? Well, I mean, like I said, I was either going to be Columbus or the Rangers because those were the only two teams in the top 10 that needed a goalie. Yeah. Uh, and it was myself and Pascal Leclerc were ran in first and second for goalies. Um, Pascal got picked by Columbus and I got picked by the Rangers. Um, you know, just it was just a matter of where it was going to be of those two teams, really. So it was when when the Rangers when you got drafted and they fell the Rangers fell to you the tenth pick, you were like, "Here I go, I'm going to New yep. York." Yeah, yeah, it's pretty most likely. Okay, that's pretty cool. I know for a lot of people, especially in the last couple of your drafts, there's been kind of all over the place. Some people were expecting to go first, falling out of the top ten, and but for you, it was it was pretty much yeah. yeah I, I think a lot of it depends on position and depth chart, right? Like the Rangers sure. didn't really have much depth in goal at all at the time when I got picked. So it was pretty obvious they were going to pick a goalie right. versus like some of the teams that might've had a top pick, might've just picked like a goalie the first round last year. Right. right? They're, they're going to interview me, but I know I'm not going to get picked. I mean, they're not going to have two goalies picked two years in a row in the first round. It's just right. highly yeah. unlikely. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense. Um, when you saw Richard go down uh, in, in 2002, that hit, hit injury, uh, what was going on in your head when you realized that you're now the starting goalie for the Rangers? Well, I mean, obviously I felt bad for Mike. Uh, sure. You know, it's never a good thing to see. No. But, I, you know, I was excited. Um, it's, it's a really good opportunity to get in and play some some games on a, you know, continuous basis. As the backup, the Rangers did a good job of getting me a fair amount of ice time. I played, you know, 20 some odd games my first season ended up playing 20 and some odd games my second season although I played like 18 or nine of them 18 or 19 of them in a row at the beginning of the season after Mike got hurt so <clears throat> you know it was it was a really good opportunity I mean I it didn't it went, it went fairly well but uh, they decided to go out and get uh, Mike Dunham partway through that process and Mike came over from Nashville and uh, just played phenomenal so I really didn't get to play nearly as much the last uh, half of the season. So as you just mentioned, going 17 consecutive starts, it's a lot for a goalie. What is the load management for goalies? How do you balance that out? I mean, it, it only was abnormal because I wasn't used to it with the, with the Rangers being the backup, right? In in junior and play, in the you know, lower-level teams, you end up playing that many games in a row or maybe you get one game off like in that span. So it's really not that big a deal. It's not like you're playing, playing 100 games in a row. It's just one stretch like that. So... Um, you know, long term, does it need to be managed? Yes. For 17 games, you need to manage it. No. So you didn't feel yourself like by game, you know, 16, 17, be like, man, I would love one night off here. <laughs> not for that few, not for that few of a game total. No. Okay. So do you think that, that I mean, because load management is getting to be more and more of a thing with goalies and you see that a lot more often, even with, you know, you, you take the Rangers now, which is circuit, you know, they don't like him getting too many starts in a row before they're bringing cars back and him up as well. Do you think that's overplayed at all? Do you think goalies might be like, hey, I'm good to go? Like, you know, like saying like 17 in a row is no big deal. Uh, I think it depends on the goalie. Some guys like to play that much. Some guys like to have the occasional night off. And I think a lot of it is just, it's just mental fatigue. You know, yeah. it's a long, it's a long season to stay that sharp and to not <clears throat> kind of know when you're going to have a mental break. Right. And so I think a lot of times with, with, uh, with a well-established starting goalie, you know, teams, the coach will typically go sit down with you before the season and kind of plan out where you're going to get your nights off so that you know. Okay. And that way, you know, like I said, it's like a holiday, but you know, you know, it's coming. So, you know, you can me mentally let your guard down briefly and have a bit of a break because uh, it's really more of the mental side of it than anything. Interesting. Um, 
you know, after your shoulder injury, you returned to hockey playing with two blockers instead of a glove. Uh, how much of adjustment was it to lose that glove and how did it change your game? Well, uh, you know, I got injured and I, I hung out for a year and a half kind of trying to see if my nerve would get better and re regenerate and heal. And it didn't. And so that's kind of when I was like, well, <laughs> I either got to retire or I got to try something different. And so partway throughout that process, um, just in trying to rehab in the gym and uh, talking with uh, Cass, Mark Marquez, the equipment guy, um, we were kind of thinking about maybe trying to play with two blockers. And that was simply because the muscles that I lost the use of uh, didn't really impact um, that motion versus it did versus the way that it did with using a glove. And so <clears throat> I went out and uh, practiced because this is during the lockout. So I got the coaches out there. Um, we were the only people in the whole training rink, of course. And so we had plenty of time to, to, you know, mess around with these stupid ideas. And uh, so he made me this like blocker with like a mini baby glove underneath it so that I wouldn't break my hand. Um, and we went out there and we messed around and, and it felt really strange at first, but if you just keep practicing with it that way, it kind of becomes second nature. Uh, but I actually, I actually enjoyed it. If I, if I would have had full use of my arm, I actually think it probably would have been more effective. Really? Yeah. It just takes up more space in the net because of the orientation of your elbow. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. But they, they made a rule so nobody can do it anymore ever again. So. Oh, wait, really? Did they, they really? Did, yeah. yeah, they did. So is That's there a game, rule book there that you had to rule? They, yes, there is. <laughs> they, awesome. the, the league met with me because they had to decide whether they were going to let me do it. And they didn't want to go down the road of I might have a disability and, uh, you know, say I can't. So the next year in the rule book, they put a rule in that you have to go. They used to define what a glove and a blocker was. And then the next year they put a rule and said you have to wear a glove and a blocker. Wow. And I, had an exemption, I had an exemption, but I never played that season. That was the season I retired. Got to be feel pretty cool, though, that you have a there's an NHL rule that directly relates to you. Yeah. <laughs> A random trivia fact for you. Yeah, I like it. I like it. What is it that makes Benoit Lair such an elite goalie coach? And what was the best piece of advice that he gave you? Uh, I think Benny does a great job of, I mean, all, all of goaltending is efficiency, um, analyzing how to get from point A to point B in, in as efficient way as possible. Um, and so he was just one of the early adopters of really thinking through the strategy that goes into it. A lot of things that goalies did over the years made absolutely no sense when you look back on it as far as what their tactics were. And so he was one of the early adopters of, um, you know, really thinking about the the physics behind it. And, um, you know, he's just main, maintained that throughout, throughout his career. Yeah, it just seems like he's able to get so much out of goalies, especially the history of uh, backup goalies coming in and playing really, really well. Um, so it just seems like he has that magic touch with, with with goalies that a lot of other teams don't have. So we, we feel very blessed to have him as New York Rangers fans. Yeah, well, I mean he's been the he's been the goalie coach there forever. Yeah. I think his first season, his first season was my second year. So uh I got a chance to work with them. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of he's one of the original goalie coaches. There were there were teams back then that didn't even have a goalie coach, if you can believe it or not. Wow. Hard to hard to believe, but there were. Yeah, we're we're uh, part of the campaign to get goalie coaches in the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame because so we believe that what they do should definitely be honored, and he should definitely be the first one in there in our book too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, understood. Um, how, how did it feel uh, strapping on the pads again in 2011 for the Winter Classic alumni game? Well, I mean, it, enough time had passed for me that it was kind of it was a 
exciting. I was obviously excited to be able to be asked to go. I mean, it's hard to believe I only played for two seasons and I was the the, the guy playing goalie for them. It's myself and uh, was it Beezer? It was me and Beezer, I think. Okay. Uh, yeah. Mike Mike was hurt, so he didn't he couldn't play, so he came and hung out. But uh, so and then and then Beezer got hurt like partway through the game, so I had to play almost the whole game. Damn. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, so they always want the young guy to play goalie. So I mean, that's the only reason I get invited to half the Rangers alumni stuff still. <laughs> Nice, nice. Was there a question yeah. of if they would allow you to play with two blockers or it was, you know, a one-night <laughs> game? <laughs> no, no, the, the other team didn't know what to make of it, though. I know that. We got a lot of weird comments. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, yeah, when you haven't played, especially a position like goalie, which requires so much, you know, flexibility. Uh, was you pretty sore after that game? Oh, no goalie retires from playing goalie and wants to play goalie. Yeah. I assure you of that. I have no, I have no desire to play goalie ever again. And it's partially, I don't want to carry the hockey bag and it's partially, I don't want to feel the way I feel the next day. Yeah. And you know, you just, you just take it too serious because it's not like a position like forward where if you go, you know, you have a certain expectation of um, the level of play that you left and that you're going to have when you get back on the ice. And if it's anything less than that, everybody else knows that it's that, that you suck because the puck went in the net every time. It's not like forward where I can go out there and hang out and hide. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Float around a little bit. Kind of yeah, go for a skate. Go and do that. Yeah, exactly. Get your cardio in. Right, yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> what What made you want to become a goaltender? Because I, I know, like, the most popular known thing is that, like, a person has, like, an older brother, two older brothers, and they just throw the younger brother in the net. But what, what was the reason behind why you wanted to become a goalie? Um, it all started, I was kind of started playing hockey late in Canada. It wasn't until about uh, nine. I didn't start playing hockey at all. And so I really couldn't skate. (laughs) And so that was the easiest position to play where I didn't have to really learn how to skate. And I played goal. I mean, I played goalie in soccer as a kid, played catcher in baseball, all very similar stuff. Wow. It's funny you say, uh, you know, you got started late playing hockey in Canada at the age of nine, which is, you know, I think in, in the States is, is you know, wouldn't be considered late to start, but in Canada, man, that was, you were five years behind at least. Yeah, exactly. Everybody else knew how to skate and I was out there with my training wheels. Wow. That's crazy. What was your favorite arena to play at and the least favorite arena to play at? Uh, let's say, I, I, I mean, I always enjoyed the garden, of course, but uh, I like playing in Montreal because that's where a lot of my family was lived. So it's always nice to get a chance to play in front of family. Um, and then I'd say, uh, I mean, the worst arena, which until recently they finally got rid of, was Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh on the island. It just dumps. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely terrible. I mean, just even as a fan, like, yeah, I have to imagine that translates over as a player as well. I mean, obviously, never yeah. get to the locker room, but. Oh, yeah. The, facilities, the facilities were not good. Yeah. <laughs> Did they wow. have that horn, by the way, in Pittsburgh when you were playing there in the background in the arena? Oh, this is the old igloo, probably. Because it, it's it's it drives me crazy as a fan. I could only imagine what it does to the players. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I still had that then. Wow, yeah, it's got to be annoying. Um, when you're playing, who was a player that you were uh, most worried about playing against that made you the most nervous? Either it was shot was hard to read, or it was just a menace on the ice, or just got in your head, anything like that. Uh, I'd say probably Kovalchuk uh, back in the day was the guy that probably had the most goals on me. I would imagine. I don't know why. I don't know what it was because the Thrashers were not very good. Right. For some reason, like I managed to score on me a bunch of times. Yeah. Anyone on in practice that had your number, just no matter what, they always put it in? 
Well, I mean, the most the most impressive guy that I ever played with or against uh, was probably Kovalev. Uh, I mean, what he could do with the puck was just unbelievable. I mean, coming down in practice, and I don't mean just necessarily shooting the puck hard. I mean, just <clears throat> the things he could do with the puck, and not just once, but repetitively, back and forth, back and forth, round and round. Um, you just didn't see, or you don't see. I didn't. I never saw a guy who could do who could work the puck skills like he had. Yeah, he was pretty. He was pretty nuts. I've I've heard him described as the most talented player that didn't that didn't translate to massive points. It didn't have quite the yep. level. I would agree. I would agree. Best best guy I've ever best player I've ever seen in practice in person. I heard a story. I'm trying to remember if it was a relative that told me this, but I, I heard a story that he was at center ice and he could flip the puck up and land it on top of the net. That he just had like that kind of control. Well, I mean, anybody can do it once. Yeah, but he would like he could just. That I, know, I know. I know. I, I know. <laughs> It's stupid stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's just crazy. You know, uh, there are goalies that need consistent playing time in order to be at their best, and some that don't. Um, which did you feel that you were, and why do you think some are like that and some are? Well, I mean, obviously, it depends on where you're at in the depth chart. Sometimes it doesn't really matter what you want or what you think. Right, <laughs> so if you're right. Backup goalie, you're, you're you're mopping up whatever's left. Sure. Uh, I think a lot of that is age. You know, the younger you are, the probably more able you are to absorb a higher workload, the more you want the higher workload. Uh, and then as you get older, I mean, obviously you got to manage that a little bit more because injuries just become more a part of the game, I, I would imagine. Right. Well, just like, you know, uh, with uh, uh, with Georgiev, our, our last backup goalie uh, before a lot came in last year, you know, he was not a guy that liked coming in cold, you know, not playing for long stretches. He didn't play well that way. But when he gets consistent starts in a row, then his game – elevates a lot um you know is it is, is that just a mental thing you think that just like some people just need that repetition they can't do it if they're not in game form all the time it's rhythm once you get in the rhythm and i mean i know it doesn't make sense you wouldn't think there's rhythm from game to game but there is it's more yeah. of a mental rhythm and you start to get in a you know confident headspace it just perpetuates itself and then if you don't get to play for you know a couple of games and it can sometimes you can lose it yeah gotcha have you ever thought of coming back to the hockey world as either an analyst or some role in the office? Hell no. <laughs> I did. I did work for a, a goalie company for a little bit down here in Dallas. That's how I got here. And I realized the business of hockey is not the business of Dan Blackburn. I just don't like it. Um, I prefer regular business, uh, you know, outside of the hockey world by far. Interesting. Um, you know, there was an article by Sean Avery in the Players uh, Tribune years ago that uh, where he was talking about life after hockey. Um, and he talked about how his body was always so amped up that he, he would have to do some crazy workouts at like 7 p.m. because his body was just like raring to go, just clicked in. Um, you know, what was life for, like for you immediately after retiring from hockey? Did you have that pull? Did you have that urge? Or was there any, any adjustment period for you? Well, I mean, the way my hockey career ended, I ended up hanging out for about two seasons, one one you know, an actual seat, the one, the year before the lockout and then the year of the lockout. And it just was like purgatory uh, mentally for me. It was no fun at all. Um, Cause when you're injured and you're, you, you know, people realize that you might be injured to that degree. Nobody, you know, you become kind of like a pariah. You're like a bad luck charm. Nobody yeah. wants to be around you. Like you're when you're in that kind of situation, especially during the lockout. Cause I was the only person there. So I would go into the training rink. I, you know, hang out with the trainers a little bit, maybe, when I was able to, we went on the ice, but then I'd go home. I have no family. I live alone, trying to keep it, uh, you know, keep my head down and not get off, the, go off the deep end or anything like that. Cause I got, I'm trying to rehab and get better. So it was just really lonely time. It sucked. Um, 
So it was almost a relief when I decided to retire. Uh, the Rangers offered me another season uh, extension. Oh. Mentally, I just couldn't do it. I was done. Wow. That's kind of, I, yeah, I imagine that's got to be really difficult. But it's also kind of cool that you got to go out on your own terms, too. Like, they offered you another year, and you're like, nah, I'm good, actually. Yeah. It wasn't because I wouldn't have liked the money. It was just because mentally I was toast. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, I noticed uh, you still got some uh, Rangers gear behind you there. Um, do, do you still follow the game? Are you a Rangers fan, or are you a Dallas fan now that you're down there? I'm a, I have a passing interest in both, um, only because uh, you know being part of the alumni down here in Dallas, because there's just not a lot of hockey, a lot of, you know, a lot of hockey guys. They yeah. include all the NHL guys. Oh, okay. So, you know, I get to know a lot of the old stars guys, um, you know, on, on a regular basis. I can go to the game here and use the, the, the alumni suite anytime I want. Oh, nice. We have a skate every two weeks if you want to go um, hang out with those guys. So I, I take a passing interest in the stars and I take a passing interest in the Rangers and just the hockey in general. But I wouldn't say I'm a religious watcher of hockey. Gotcha. Yeah, with both teams being, uh, you know, kind of a... a the playoff games right now, who would you think would, would win if there was a cup between Dallas and the Rangers this year? Oh, I haven't even caught up on what the offseason moves are yet. Give, give me until the season starts, and then i got to catch up. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> cool. Uh, Burke, do you have anything else? Um, no, I think uh went over everything here. So, Dan, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Uh, take care.